0: Federated, a podcast for freelancers hosted by a brother and sister who are polar opposites but have found a way to make a living doing what they love. Hey, Rob. Hey, Sarah. How's it going?
1: Pretty good. No complaints. How are you? I am great. Oh, okay. Way to to outdo me again. Fantastic. Superb. I said no complaints when you come in and you're like, I'm amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot. Way to read the room. Never been better. (laughs) So, we're going to talk about contracts this week, yeah. which is um, what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. Yes. But nothing in this is actual legal advice because nobody's listening to this. Probably is my client. Some people might be my clients, but this is not legal advice to them.
0: Yes. Noted. Just <laughs> Dis- disclaimer, Airhorn.
1: I just nailed that disclaimer. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh <laughs> yeah,
0: so um a, a question was brought in from a listener where uh they, the question was more or less like what are the kind of considerations I should be making as far as contracts with my customers or clients, and it, within those contracts, what other kind of things should I be thinking of or asking for or or outlining, and that's like totally your sweet spot
1: that is that is my space, and I'm really excited about this opportunity because most of the time. By the time people have gotten to me, there's at least one or two things that I'm cringing at that they've already done. Mm, And so I'm viewing this as an opportunity to kind of like get in there before they are as far as calling a lawyer or what have you and correcting hopefully some assumptions that are wrong that I see a lot of people make, including today. Today is Sunday. and i got a (laughs) call in the
2: the day day of of our our lord Lord. on this day of
1: rest i received a phone call (laughs) i was working with clients today and they they made one of these classic mistakes in my opinion which is the fallacy the i went ahead and signed it but then i asked my lawyer about it thing dumb Um. dumb waste of time like the only circumstance in, under which you should even waste your time and money having a lawyer review something if you've already signed it is if you're trying to get out of it because it's too late, you know, like you've already committed to it. Signatures do matter. Yeah. And people honestly with a disturbing amount of frequency don't realize that when they sign something, it's a closed deal.
0: There's, there's that like emotional pressure that so many people cave to and then they just sign the line and then, then they end up walking out of it with some sort of regret or buyer's remorse.
1: Yeah, and it's very frustrating when you're a lawyer. I mean, it Yeah. I'd imagine what it's like to be the person who does like cause of death autopsies. You're like, "Cool. <laughs> glad we know. <laughs> what are we going to do with this?" <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's,
0: that's such a great analogy. <laughs>
1: do you, yeah, some people want to be coroners. I'm not one of them. Please don't make me look at the thing that you signed. It was wildly inadvisable. And a lot of times, mm-hmm. perhaps today, perhaps a different client on a different day, but a lot of times people call me and they've done that because they're okay with the concept of the document. And I think that is another misunderstanding that people are making. And that's that the title of the document is what it actually is. And, and that's just not always the case. I mean, I draft documents all the time that intentionally are called something that I know that people are comfortable with, but the terms are, they can be one of 7,000 different uh, combinations of terms. So for instance, oh, I just went ahead and signed the non-disclosure because I I don't want to tell anyone about this anyways. That seems maybe to a non-legal person totally makes sense. What that actually says is, oh, I just went ahead and signed three to four pages of legal terms without reading them because I'm okay with this very narrow thing that I plan on not doing that might not even be mentioned in that agreement. Because it said non-disclosure at the top? Yeah. <laughs> and in reality, on the inside, it probably, I mean, if it's one I've written, it probably includes non-compete terms, which is huge, Yeah, you know, and can impact your whole ability to run your business. And it might include intellectual property assignment terms, which is another enormous thing. Now the thing you created for your client you don't own, maybe you don't know that, so you just go ahead and use it, and then they can sue you for infringing. There's a million things that could be in that document. It could You could assign your firstborn to this person, and you don't know. Um, and you might have read it, and if so, good, but um, at the same time, you know, you might not have understood it, which is there's nothing wrong with that, because it, I went to, to a lot of school to understand them. And still, it took a, you know, a couple of years of practice to really be able to read a contract and um, pretty much any contract and not have to look anything up. So
0: so what, what, are, some, what are some of the other things that you often see besides uh, crapping the bed and signing stuff when you don't understand what you're signing?
1: Well, so crapping the bed and not understanding that you're signing, just signing, all of that is is a problem. Um, With a lot of frequency, I see the opposite, which is not getting anyone under a contract of any type. Okay. I recently had a client who paid upwards of $90,000 to a vendor um, for a software product they never received and had no contract in place. Hmm. So we wrote a mean letter <laughs> like, yeah. and then we were like, well, okay, well, that's kind of the extent of what we can do because there's no agreement here. So that's, that's a big problem. Um, so I guess those are the two ends of the spectrum is like signing something that you don't understand, not having anything in place at all. And then, um, I think there's a lot of areas in the middle. Yeah. Uh, for instance, people, and this is a common misunderstanding, people will get uh, on up counsel or something and download an agreement, which in theory would probably be fine. And, and lawyers do that too, you know, and I can speak for doctors with a lot of confidence that they Google pretty much any and everything as well. So (laughs) that's fine. It's just then you have a trained person who's able to interpret those Google results. Um, And so a lot of people will come to me and they've been using a contract that they downloaded online for like six months or something and or, God forbid, much longer. And they don't realize that contracts are written like for the either party and very rarely written for both. So it's like I'm writing if I'm making a contract for you, Rob, I'm writing it to favor you in every every single turn. It's going to be in your favor. Um, and then it's the other side's obligation to say, obviously, we're not going to sign that without adding in our own self-protective language. Yeah. Um. So, for instance, when you're like you have memberships to really good uh, legal uh, software services where you can get form agreements like I have at the end of every agreement, it'll say in parentheses, like customer favored or company favored. um because you have to know which side they're on. And I have people who use the, the opposite one. Mm. So they're intentionally having people sign something that just disadvantages the heck out of them and advantages like all up and down their, their client or you know, their customer. So that's arguably much worse than not having anything signed. <laughs> and, and that's crazy. So when you see this stuff like day in and day out, then, when you get the clients who say to you, Oh, yeah, I already have an NDA I, I use, I already have a non compete I use for these, um, y- you can't not roll your eyes because you've just seen the most insane things. Um, so, I hope that that gives a little more context to people who eventually might wind up in a lawyer's office. Why, you know, lawyers are generally probably not just trying to justify their existence by being like, yeah, I still need to take a look at it. We're doing that because we've seen ones that people are using that are just insane, like just, you know, intentionally putting terms out there that no rational person would ever suggest or agree to that they, they just must not have understood. So, um, you know, I think people get distracted by um, at the top of each provisional say like term. Period, and then it has a whole bunch of legalese, and then it says, you know, uh, non-compete or (laughs) like pricing or something, Um, and then they don't read the paragraph underneath it. And um, honestly, when I draft an agreement, sometimes I take advantage of that fact. Uh, And the signposts for the different paragraphs say things that are true, but maybe a little bit uh, misleading if you're not reading the actual content of the agreement mm-hmm. um so just if you're if you're looking at something assume it's written to trick you because that's why lawyers go to school
0: <laughs> yeah i was gonna say like it it's not because you're a shysty attorney <laughs> it's because like that's how yeah. things work in uh in the space in which you work uh you know i mean that's not you're not the only one that's, that's doing that. And so people need to be cognizant of that from a self-protection pro- perspective.
1: Absolutely. Because it just, it, it, you're representing your client. They're the one paying you. The other side should also have an attorney representing them. And then that's extra fair. Um, and, and I try not, I don't go overboard. Some lawyers really go overboard and their contracts are so unbelievably one-sided and then they make more money because there's more back back and forth.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. Uh but I I don't do that if it's going to be something that's used pretty regularly. I try to yeah, you know, if it's a scale of 1 to 10, I try to take like a 6 or 7 instead of a a 1 or a 10. Yeah. <laughs> I try to be like slightly favoring my um my client um and other people don't. Um because you know, you have to, I view my client's interest as also not having to pay me to go back and forth on every single one of these a million times.
0: Well, so I would imagine that, um, I know we have a fair amount of attorneys that listen to the show. We'll, we'll set them to the side for just a moment. Cause I, I think they probably should understand most of what, what yeah. uh, we're talking about <laughs> yeah. on their own, uh, for like our average, uh, non-legal, You know, maybe someone in the creative space or maybe a typical freelancer, like what are some of the things that we want to make sure that we have in in the agreements that we use with our clients?
1: Sure. So Mm -hmm. an agreement. Uh, (laughs) Having one is very good. Um, It depends on specifically what you're doing. But generally, you want to set forth uh, your in writing. Good Lord. In writing, signed by both (laughs) parties. Uh, what you're, what you're being paid for, what you're agreeing to do, and the time in which you're agreeing to do it. So that's pretty basic, right? Just to say that there's no um, conflicts there. And and still, and yet, (laughs) it's very rare to find people who've actually done that. But Let's just assume that you, you don't have the money, but you want to at least cover that base. You know, you could have an agreement that just says pricing terms, um, deadlines, um, kind of a statement of work, if you will, describes what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, certain milestones that you've completed by a certain amount of time. Um, and you want it, if, if you're providing the services, you want it to say when you're going to get paid. Um, you and I have talked many times about like, why would you ever invoice net 30 or something? You know, always invoice like do payable on receipt if until you can't, <laughs> but Yeah, you, you need the money. So just have it due when you invoice them. And if it takes them longer, that's fine. Um, but you need that because if you don't put when they're supposed to pay you by and and. You're 30 days after you sent an invoice. You're on pins and needles, thinking, "Did they? Did they? Are they going to pay me in 30 days? Is that the plan?" And then, if they don't, you think maybe it's 45, and in the interim, you're racking up an additional 30 to 45 days of sunk costs if you're doing work for them still and you haven't gotten paid. But you can't really talk to them about it yet because they haven't passed the term.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's not like you can be upset that it's late based on what? Based on what?
1: <laughs> yeah, based on what? So you know, you need to talk about that with them up front. You won't do it because it's hard to remember everything. So having it in a contract is a really good way to make sure that it gets talked about. And if it isn't talked about, that you have something you can refer back to and say, "Hey, you know, just FYI, reattaching for your convenience. You know, payment is due." Uh, uh, uh immediately and it's been 15 days Mm -hmm. um so those are pretty essential terms in in my opinion and then if you're also providing services there's a slew of really cool and interesting terms that you can use um in your case for instance when people are doing anything where they're going to be getting content from their uh from the customer so you might have a client who provides you, you said, you know, you copy and paste a lot because they provide you with content off of their website. You take it, you use it in different spaces. Is that fair?
0: That's correct. Yeah. And for for listeners, we talked about that last week on last week's episodes.
1: Yep. So let's assume that happens. But every single thing that they have on their website is copy and pasted from some, some book somewhere
0: competitor's website yeah
1: then you're the idiot who (laughs) just put it all over (laughs) the internet so you're on the hook for that you infringed on on all of these people's uh copyrights and possibly trademarks and you know maybe they give you a whole file of images that are all just getty images they have no rights (laughs) to and you just sling them up all over the internet and um, so having somebody uh, like promise that they're not going to do that and say that if they do, they're on the hook for it, which is an indemn- indemnification um, type of provision that is very valuable, I think, in your space in particular.
0: Um, the, the worst culprit of what you're describing right now was some work uh, I did for a family member of ours. <laughs> oh, no. And I never <laughs> got an agreement with them because it was a family member. And uh so now that's uh that's funny. Oh it's, no. It's uh, <laughs> ma- making me laugh in my mind.
1: <laughs> I don't know the specifics of this, but yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> that thing. So
0: it happens people. Yeah.
1: And if you if you use it as a system, if you have your agreement and you say, "Listen, I need you to fill out an agreement because the agreement is where, you know, I I know you, you like for me, I I use my agreement also as an intake form. So it's like Hey, do you want to get invoiced in the mail or by email? <laughs> mm-hmm. And um things like that. And then it also has the terms, like, are you okay? Every term says, "Are you okay with these terms?" And the person has to say yes. and um, and I can't get them in my billing software. I can, all right <laughs> full disclosure. I can totally get them in my billing software that. <laughs> but i it, my system is to use that to open the file and the billing software. And so, Having that speed bump is really effective. And if you can put your, your contract at a point in your intake process where it's kind of essential and you can't move forward without it, then and you're going to be sure to do it. And the, th- the situation like you're talking about with a family member, even then, I say, you know, in order to open a file and to make sure that this issue is covered by my malpractice insurance, I need you to fill this out. And at least then everybody is under the same terms.
0: I like that because I think um, so. I'll speak from my experience at the accounting firm. A lot of times, I think sticking to some of those rigid policies—I guess you describe them or workflows, like your processes—was was frowned upon because it it felt like uh, worse customer service. Yeah, you know, we're in the customer service business, and we need to do. You know, if a client wanted to do everything just completely, you know, ask backwards or whatever, that's what we're going to do. So great, and. But then, like, as business owners, you and I, we have to decide, like, which of those are ones we can bend on and which ones we can't. And, like, I love how you've set up, like, these are the most essential things that I have to have for every one of my clients. And so, like, this whole process is non-negotiable. Yeah. And then, like, once we're on the other side of that wall or whatever, then all of a sudden, like, we're in the in the tree with the nest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> meet meet the parents reference. Yes. Um. That, uh, where we can start, you know, behaving more rationally or or more customer service centric. Yeah. Um, but, but we've got to make sure that all of our, our house is in order first.
1: Absolutely. It's super, I cannot possibly overemphasize the importance. If you have a contract of getting it in front of all of, I mean, from the, the moment that you create it, at least getting all new people to be funneled through it because you will forget the one that you don't put under that and then you will think you have it and a bigger issue will come up down the road. Um, So making sure to funnel people through that and if if you're having pushback on that, you need to change the process to make it easier for people to fill out because people don't really care. Yeah. Um, They'll they'll fill out, (laughs) to reference back to my complaints of earlier, they will (laughs) fill out and sign anything. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know. So you've
0: really screwed the pooch yeah. if you're, if you're just it. make
1: it easier for them. And then at least that that's why I pull out the terms of mine and you're like, "Do you agree? Do you agree?" because I want them to actually read it. Um and that's in my favor uh as well. Um mm-hmm. so there's a lot of and that's a Google form. That's a free thing. <laughs> so um I think that there's there's really no excuse. And then I have an anecdote for like Probably a lot of the creatives and, and pretty much I think most people who are freelancers are potentially exposed to creating content themselves or creating, I don't know how else to call it, but they're creating something. If it's a methodology or um, photos, videos, uh, anything written, yeah. website, um, software, code, any of that, uh, there's a whole bunch of intellectual property considerations. And, um, intellectual property is something that people don't think about enough, like it's real in the way that they do with a car. But if you're, you're selling a car, you, you, you fill out paperwork. (laughs) So, um, imagining that it's a car is probably a little bit better, uh, because they don't. And for instance, one time I had a videographer coming to me. And he was the third videographer in line for um, this ridiculous uh, woman who every year she had the same event and um, she allegedly just had a videographer make all of this content for her. And then at the end, she would not pay them and then they wouldn't have any recourse because. Um, she had like, she didn't have a contract. They didn't have a contract. It was a whole thing. And then they would just give up because she had so much more money and go away. And she ran through, you know, dozens of videographers this way. And then my guy didn't, um, sign a contract with her or anything. And he was, he came to me It was, it was too much, it's too small of an amount of money to sue over. So like, yeah. you know, five to $20,000 and getting to court costs triple that so it's just and that's where a lot of us play so that's why it can be problematic because you can't really sue over those smaller amounts of money you can but um it's going to cost more than you could possibly recover to do it so and it's going to take a couple years of your time <laughs> so most people don't and um, it was that kind of level i think he had eight or twelve thousand dollars and maybe um it's been a while that
0: just describes like so many, I mean, this situation is rampant in freelancer world, mm-hmm. so like if you're listening and this hasn't happened to you, like just wait. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like it's uh, so much of so many of our agreements are just not sueworthy. Yeah so there's uh, freelancers really left in the situation that you described without any leverage whatsoever as far as uh, enforcing any kind of agreement that was made, uh, sometimes even on paper, but certainly not on paper.
1: Yes, wholeheartedly. So he came to me like, "What can I do?" And my first question, of course, "Do you have a contract?" No. Oh well, yeah, it doesn't look great. <laughs> and then um, I look, uh, and he's he starts complaining and saying, "They're, they're using my videos on the website," um, and. Because there was no contract, there was no assignment of intellectual property by him to the person. Mm. And so ultimately, what we were able to do was threaten lawsuit because they were using the videos he made. He owned those videos. And so they were infringing on his intellectual property by using them. They never paid him for them. There was no contract, et cetera, et cetera. So by leveraging it that way, We were able to get him paid and we held this like intellectual property assignment ransom and (laughs) until and they wanted to use the content so there you go um and we got him paid but that's just to demonstrate the importance of actually putting in writing who owns the the ip Um, and there's very specific terms that uh legal terms that have to be used for that that go down to not i'm not trying to make them like sound more mysterious and important than they are but there's really weirdly specific things that come up like saying intellectual property will be assigned is insufficient but saying is hereby assigned is sufficient like that level of granularity so
0: did you then open a class action lawsuit for all the other videographers that slightly had screwed over
1: <laughs> i wish i could have um she seemed like a real tool of a person <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a really
0: crappy thing to do yeah
1: and i like the con uh, what she was doing like her event i wish i could go into more detail but was gross <laughs> like, mm. it, was, it was and the poor guy was like basically you know had ptsd from having to take the videos <laughs> so, so he was very unhappy and in his case, he had hired a subcontractor because it was a bigger job than one person could do. Oh, uh, that sucks. So he had gone and put po- out of pocket to pay somebody else. So it wasn't even just eating his time. It was he had paid somebody else and didn't get paid himself. So that kind of thing does come up. Real important. Highly recommend um, getting that stuff in writing.
0: Gosh. Yeah, there's, um, this is a little bit of a tangent, but, uh, there's a law that the New York city has recently passed, uh, called the freelancing isn't free act. And, um, it's something that the freelancer union has, has, uh, championed, uh, and it essentially puts special provisions in that give freelancers, um, well, one, it requires a an agreement of any contract over a certain amount. So either from the business or the freelancer one, like someone needs to get it together and, and provide an agreement. But beyond that, if there's non-payment issues, like what you just described, it gives freelancers the ability to, uh, I think Sue, maybe like some multiple damages Nice. In, in order to like offset the scales of like not having leverage in those situations. And then they're able to recoup their legal costs and all that kind of stuff too and really kind of puts, uh, you know, gives freelancers a little bit more of a, um, of a weapon against that situation. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've been researching trying to get that in, in our local community in Chattanooga. Um, uh, and so, uh, for, for, that very reason, cause it, it happens way too often and uh, I haven't had very much luck yet, which coincides perfectly with my lack of faith in the local government. Um, my city councilor won't even, uh, Call me back or respond to my emails.
1: Oh, man. What is your city councilor's name?
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, I don't know. Should I should I totally shame him on our on our huge podcast?
1: Yes. Like aggressively. I ran into my city council person uh, at the parade last night and just screamed his name at him it just came out of my mouth it was so <laughs> weird i was like Long clark oh <laughs> he turned around and he was like i don't know you we had coffee but it was like a year ago you know and that's all he does that's so funny it was weird uh
0: yeah so my guy I've, I've, we've worked on other projects totally unrelated to um uh, my wife and i were involved with something with the local elementary school that he was involved in and and that was great and so like i mentioned that in my email thinking that like you know like I'm not insane. Like I'm a normal person that you've yeah. met before that like, isn't asking for anything unreasonable. Um, and, and because of the email app that, um, I use, I know that he's read it, and <laughs> opened it multiple times, <laughs> um, but just has never responded. And I've done the follow-up thing like, Hey, you know, circling back on this kind of thing. Just read those. Uh, Rob's city no council response. person's a
1: jerk. Mine totally let me. I said, "Can I buy you coffee?" And then he didn't let me buy him coffee, which uh, eh, which is weird, frankly. Enough. But yeah, understood. Um, yeah, yeah. Just saying, mine was very responsive. Yeah, well, both then and when I screamed his full name in his face last night.
0: Uh, yeah, that's funny. Um, one of the reasons I felt uh, inspired to reach out to him and do this, even though it's kind of been like on the back of my list for a number of months, I asked you about it like a long time ago, was that we're in the pro. Uh, we just broke ground on a house that would put us in a different district. <laughs> and so oh, whoa. I was like, Oh, I need to get this thing done real yeah. quick before <laughs> I'm, I'm not in this district <laughs> anymore. Um, and uh, so it doesn't look like that's gonna happen, but anyways, yeah, funny.
1: You should get in touch with your new city council person now so that you can um, get to know them. That's my recommendation. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, these are important people. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> that's a really good initiative. Sorry, Tanger. Yeah, it'd be great uh, if everybody had contracts in place. But but like I said, right, they don't. You You need to understand the contracts. And if you... Can't take the time to get fully spun up on that. Um, You should have you should have a lawyer look at them because it will save you certainly before you get multiple people signing the same contract. Like before you put together an engagement agreement that you're using for your clients. I mean, that's worth so much money to have a lawyer, a good lawyer review. I mean, Rob, you and I came up with that whole if they cancel the agreement, you get a certain percentage back term.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um to kind of ease that transition if somebody does want to end an engagement early, and that kind of thing can can be a real net of thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, and that's just you know you're gonna pay a lawyer a thousand dollars to probably make you twenty and on that term alone so
0: Yeah, and and from that perspective, if I have any expectations in doing this for any extended period of time, which I very much do, like I'm inevitably going to run into like situations where it's going to challenge this. You know, like if I I guess if I'm a freelancer that has a full time job and I'm just doing this on the side, and like one of these situations isn't catastrophic to me, um, then maybe you know uh, unwisely I could be more reckless in this situation. But if if this is what I'm doing that um, you know, is providing li- my livelihood, yeah. you know, if this is, if this is how I support uh, myself and my family, then, then, uh, it's just a, a matter of time until something like that crops up and I'll be glad that I'm, uh, have those terms in place.
1: Yeah. Um, I think one more point I would make mm-hmm. is, uh, boilerplate is not a real thing. People, will say oh the last page is just all boilerplate you don't have to look at that but <laughs>
0: yeah it's they don't go to boilerplate.org and no, just
1: upload the commonly no, accepted it's that. not like oh and, and then we insert two pages of boilerplate which like what even does that term come from i would love to like i assume it's some kind of printing press concept where they just like the last page nobody changed anything or something but but yeah I, was, yeah,
0: I was totally thinking like the glutenberg.: Yeah. Uh, the, the
1: glutenberg. You know. <laughs> it's, it's for people who are, have celiacs or allergic to gluten.: <laughs> cool. What is the name? I, I don't couldn't know, think of: know. the first printing press. Uh, I think Gutenberg maybe. That Gutenberg, that sounds better.): <laughs> It sounds better because you can process gluten. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> yes I miss I, I know as someone who does the editing of the show. I catch m- myself saying words wrong every single episode, <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, there's that one for this episode." So
1: that's very interesting because sometimes I hear you, and I'm like, "Oh, oh close enough."
0: <laughs> yeah, that's not my, not my strength. And you're over here wanting to know the meaning of boilerplate, and I'm just making stuff up.
1: Uh, well, you get you get there. It's smart. Um, Boiler plate. Johannes
0: Gutenberg. <laughs>
1: Gutenberg. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Boiler plate is r- rolled steel for making boilers. Uh, so that's <laughs> not that was not helpful. <laughs> and then attached
0: st- staple to the back of every
1: country. Yeah, apparently. Uh, I could click on the Urban Dictionary link, but I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Oh. Um, so it's not. It's all different. It might be the same captions or something, and some of the stuff is the same, but there's not. It's, it's not all just legalese that's in every contract. It actually has meaning.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I know that that probably hit that drum a little hard, but I feel like I can say it here because I d- clearly don't have an agenda. When I say it to clients, I have to be so much more like, oh, you know, deferential, because I don't want them to think I'm just grubbing for more money or something. But it really, the stuff does matter. Yeah. So,
0: so two things that come to mind, uh, from my end as, as kind of like on the other side of this whole equation, Yeah. um, one, you did an agreement for me, some number a year and a half ago, whatever. And, and I've used it a dozen, dozen and a half times since then. It's been interesting to, to me to see which parts of it, um, well, one, how many people read it <laughs> and two, which parts of it are, um, objectable, like the, the people have, uh, have some level of uh, objection to. And you mentioned the buyout clause, which has come out a couple of times. Um, f- from my perspective, with some clients that have felt a little bit flighty, I've used that as like a reason to like their pushback on that. I've said, well, that's non-negotiable for me.
1: So just background, the buyout clause is a thing that says, hey, you commit to six or 12 months. If you cancel this agreement early, you have to pay either for you know a monthly fee Throughout the end of what would have been the term of like 50% or something.
0: Yep. Yeah. Just some, some sort of thing that says like, Hey, I've allocated this time and attention and energy for you for this amount of time. So like, if you leave, that's, that leaves a hole for me to fill. Um, and so, you know, I've had some clients I've wanted to work with have been like, Hey, that's a little, that's a little crazy, you know? Um, and I've, and I've had some that said, Hey, there's no way I'm doing that. And I'm like, cool. Well, let's not work together. Cause like, I absolutely think you're going to do that Yeah, (laughs) (laughs)
1: now, especially.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 And the fact that you have, I had that, you know, that feeling before, but now that you're asking about it, like, I know that that's the thing. And, and it's given me the, the ability to, in those situations for clients I do want to work with. Say like okay, I hear you. Like you know, give me your reason why. Like where are you coming from, so that I understand and and can probably more clearly assess whether your intentions are are good. Yeah. Um. And then it's also given me a, a reason to go back and say, okay, well if we're not going to do that, what if we look at like extending the the amount of notice you have to give before we end the agreement, or you know, some other aspect of it that that you know, favors me again a little bit. Yeah. Um, but feels more like a negotiation and a middle ground because like the, you know, what was set out first is something that's, you know, maybe a good bit left of center. Yeah. And so when we start to move back towards center, there's more flexibility.
1: And the reason you're able to do that. And I think sometimes my clients, once again, I, I misperceive what I'm doing, but when I create uh, contracts for them, I always then have a phone call before I send it where we go over every term and I explain it because I, I want people to be like you and have fluency and why things are there and understand how they relate to each other, so they can say, "Okay, yeah, push back on that, but let's extend the notice time, so instead of getting fifty percent through the end of the the term, I have ninety days' notice, so I'm guaranteed you know three months or whatever. Um, yeah, you know, just protecting your own interests once you you have a good agreement that you understand. Um, and and then not pushing back in silly spots, because that runs your credibility, and not having to come back and use the lawyer necessarily all the time, but just being able to to do it on their own. It's like giving somebody a, a tool and then not teaching them how to use it. Um, so I, I'm glad that you you get it and you've taken the time to kind of make that your own and work live in it a little bit.
0: Yeah. It's been super helpful. And, and for one reason, I think people take me more seriously because I'm taking myself more seriously. Yeah. Like, you know, when I'm like, great, um, you want to get started? Fantastic. I'll get an agreement together. Yes. You know, like that's my first step. Not like, uh, let's get work going. Yeah. You know, it's like, cool. Let's, you know, once you give me the, the green light, like then starts this part.
1: Yeah. You fill out the agreement and then it's not just like, cool, I'm just going to randomly start working and send you an invoice, which is um, not, not as professional and seems more freelancy than it does agency ish.
0: Yeah. And I would imagine like for people that are think this way, like a little less uh, of a necessity to pay, Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like just a little bit more fluid, a little more casual, yeah. like, um, and so the, the other thing people have pushed back on, which is interesting are the payment terms. And you've mentioned before, um, I'm, I'm fairly aggressive with yeah. how uh, fast I ask to be paid. Um, because I'm cheaper than people that have a lot more working capital and can afford to let it sit out there. Um, so it's just kind of a trade off and I've occasionally had people ask for me to just normalize that. Like instead of being fast, like what if we just made it like what's, you know, typical net 30 kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and that again, you know, for some clients fine, uh, if I know their situation and I know it's just a, a matter of the process just takes that long for them. Yeah. Um, but other times I'll say, okay, well, cool if we do that, but could we, you know, I'll concede to that, but let's look at this other aspect and, and maybe tweak it a little bit to, to just kind of offset things. And and that's worked really well.
1: That is a really good point. Has there, is there anything else that people have routinely pushed back on?
0: Um, I think those are the two biggest, (laughs) I've had one other Well, for some of my clients that where I'm white labeling for an agency, they, they've asked that, um, my payment terms not be tied to when I invoice, but more so tied to when the client pays them. Okay. So like once they get paid by the client, it's so many days until they turn around and pay me. Gotcha. Um, which, you know, um, sounds reasonable, and I, I honestly, for those clients, do the best I can to let my agreement with them mimic their agreement right. with the client yeah. so that we're not left in this weird, like, the client left, but we're still supposed to be paying you to work on the client. Yeah. Um, and, and most people have been very amenable to that, but um, in some situations, if, if they are not, you know, if they're getting paid net 30, which really kind of drags out to net 45 and then it's another 15 days before I get paid, Yeah, then like it can be kind of excessive and and something I don't love, you know? Yes. And I'm not charging so much that they couldn't just turn around and pay me. Like, you know, I'm sure the money is there. It's just a principle of like not paying me for work they haven't been paid for, which... Um, To some degree a get, but to some degree, like, isn't really like, I don't know how crappy their, you know, accounts receivable plan is, you know? So like,
1: yeah, absolutely. They might have checks just sitting on the desk for like two weeks.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Or like send invoices out really late or you know, whatever that kind of looks like. And so, um, that's something I've, I've kind of learned some lessons on along the way that. I'll probably do different next, you know, the next cycle.
1: Yeah, um, I, but yeah, I wrote a contract recently for a client who wanted those terms as well for a similar issue. Um, you know, they're kind of basically subcontracting, and then the the government was somewhere up the line. So, um, but as a lawyer, I don't like that because I want more objective terms. So I want to build a uh tie payment to a moment that my client knows about
0: and can control <laughs> and yeah. can
1: control right because like maybe they did get paid how do you know are you going to get to eye their books like
0: you know right
1: yeah so, that's a very fair point yeah that's but but it's it's reasonable sometimes in certain circumstances uh like that one is is a good one so yeah. i don't know there's a lot of interesting ways. I think that it's very valuable to have that lined up and all of those terms written out because it prompts people to have the discussions yeah. and consider things every time. And, and I think that's as valuable as, as the rest of it, really. Um, and that's the case. I mean, we've talked about basically the vendor agreement that the freelancer is using for clients. And I think that that is plenty, but that's the case, especially with company agreements. If you're going into business with somebody else, those agreements are, in my opinion, you know, 50% of the value is getting stuff talked about and considered upfront before you're faced with it, because it's way better when you both make an agreement when it hasn't happened to just one of you, <laughs> you know, yeah, whatever it sure. is, <laughs> like, you're thinking, oh gosh, I hope that doesn't happen. But boy, I want to be fair, because what if it happens to me? And then you come up with a really fair solution. But down the road, if it happens to one party, then it's all like off kilter and and everything goes down in flames. Yeah. So I think those are the big places. If you go into business with somebody, you need contracts to support that. If you have clients, you need contracts. And if you hire somebody, you need contracts. Those are probably big areas.
0: I'll ask you this just kind of to close. Like, obviously, it's going to be hard to get through this without an attorney playing some sort of role. I mean, we've talked about um, the, the need to avoid some of the template stuff and the boilerplate kind of stuff. What advice could you give to folks like, you know, who are listening wherever on how to find someone that could, that could competently help them um, achieve this without breaking the bank or without costing a small fortune. Cause I I think that's ultimately what drives people to, to do the crappy things that you soapboxed about at the beginning of this episode yeah. is that the ceiling price wise is so high that, that a lot of people are like, well, you know, I'm not billing that much. So like, I'll just go get the free thing and, and roll the dice.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I get it. I mean, I'm so cheap too. So I think a lot like, would I do this? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I'm, it depends on the day for whether I would or not. Um so <laughs> uh it's hard to find lawyers. That's um an issue. What is the buzzword way of saying like ripe for disruption? Disruption, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if somebody's listening and wants to solve that problem, have at it. Uh but uh there's a a whole bunch of places that you can find lawyers like Avo, A V V O. Um, and then the Bar Association, but what you're looking for is a commercial contracts attorney that does business work. You're not looking for a litigator, you're not looking for an estates attorney, you're not looking for a family law attorney who does divorces. Um, people have trouble you know, from the outside knowing which shade of lawyer they're looking for. And, and I think that might be sixty percent of the, the roadblock into getting to one. So commercial contracts is what you're looking for. And then um, small firms, and, and I, if I, if it were me, I would only, um, I would send out some emails based on usually what everybody does is they reach out to their one lawyer friend and say, hey, I need somebody who does this, and that lawyer directs them. Uh, sometimes people reach out to other business associates and say, what lawyer did you use, and get lawyer referrals that way. But then I would reach out, and um, I would probably only deal with people who. Uh, answered the phone or emailed me back themselves. I I love to try to use somebody to help filter out my new calls. But realistically, that's a sign of overhead and it's going to be more expensive. I like that. So and then up front, you just say, hey, (laughs) this is against interest. I recommend against emailing the person and saying, I have been told by other attorneys that it will cost at least five hours at a billable rate of $385 an hour. <laughs> what would you charge? <laughs> like, I do not recommend that because in the case that I'm referring to, my answer was much less than that. <laughs> so yeah. it was like, oh, <laughs> a little bit higher maybe. Um, so don't necessarily share your cards, but say, hey, how do I understand the limitations of, knowing how long something going to take. But what does this usually cost? And can we kind of um, caption it in with brackets? You know, like, you don't have to say exactly what it's going to be if you want to keep your hourly rate, whatever. But tell me it's going to be two to four hours, because (laughs) that that's basically a flat rate. Yeah. Um, And that's my recommendation in in general, uh, finding somebody that you can use for that. And then you'll have somebody already set up for when somebody does send you a really weird, wonky contract that you really should have somebody look over. But it doesn't necessarily rise to the to the level of, oh, okay. well, now I'm not going to sign this because I need to go interview lawyers and see who I like and who's going to be fair to me. So that first time, that's the biggest hurdle, getting somebody on board that you you like and can work with. Um, I think somebody who's been practicing at least five years is smart. Somebody who's been at a firm is always nice uh, and then is either out on their own or at a small firm. It's not that there's not good lawyers everywhere else. It's just that because there's so much overhead, there's pressure to to have bigger clients. And so you're not going to get the kind of level of responsiveness that you're probably wanting.
0: That makes sense. Yeah, because I mean, it's an intimidating thing, one, because you kind of have to know enough about law to know what kind of attorney you're looking for. But then yeah, you enter in, at least for a lot of freelancers, I, th- I think I'm speaking for, for a lot. The rest of the world doesn't work the way law firms work. Yeah. And so you enter into this really foreign experience that feels uncomfortable and you're just kind of looking around to see where you're getting screwed. Yeah, <laughs> you
1: know? um, yeah that's, that's good advice. I mean there's people who do it and and so <laughs> it's just finding them and, and once you find somebody you know treat treat them well because it's it's a good relationship and that's uh, uh what I like about being a lawyer is being able to work with these people throughout like all of these different iterations of their companies and these entrepreneurial people is they sell companies and buy companies, and then a couple of years later, all of a sudden they're doing this other thing and you get to just kind of observe and watch and participate um, and facilitate it, which is really neat. Mm-hmm. But it, it is scary. I mean, having just looked for an accountant and realized they, they all charge hourly and it really freaked me out a lot.
0: So <laughs> Yeah,
1: I get it. And um, one thing I would point out is that uh, I'm better about this now than I used to be. Uh, now, when I have new clients, I say, have you worked with lawyers before? because if you haven't you might not understand how lawyers charge and when they say hourly what they're talking about and what they mean is usually the vast majority of lawyers will charge at an hourly rate broken up into 6-minute increments and that means they're going to charge you for if you ask them a you know an email question that's relatively substantive hope they shouldn't charge you for like organizing you know scheduling a phone call or something but um, if you're asking them hey, you know, should I be an LLC or a corporation by email, you're going to get charged for the amount of time that it took them to respond. And if you call them and they answer and you talk to them, you you know, if if you want to wrap it up at minute 11, that's smart, because then you get billed your 0.2 instead of 0.3 hours, because we're dealing in six-minute increments. So it's like 6 and 12 and 18 and 24 and 30 Um. so just keeping that in mind and using your your lawyers efficiently is valuable. There's nothing that I cringe more at than when I'm talking to a client and they just start talking about stuff that doesn't have anything to do with me that I can't help with that I'm not providing value to because then I feel bad billing them for that. But I can't do anything else but be on the phone with them. So yeah, I don't I don't bill for pleasantries and stuff. But if it's thirty minutes of somebody you know really soapboxing on an issue that's important to them, <laughs> that's that's a hard thing because either I ride it off or I bill them for it, which both seem kind of lame.
0: I used to uh, work with a guy who was a business owner that would uh, I was set in on a few calls where we were talking to the attorney, and I know he did this via email too, but certainly on the phone he would call and say hey give me your, your 12 minute impression on this situation or, or give me the six minute answer to, to this question. Yeah. Um, just like circumventing the very beginning, like how much the solution to this is worth to me, Yeah. (laughs) you know? Um, and just saying like, Hey, I don't want you to go do a whole bunch of research on this. Like, just like, uh, off the cuff. Is this a good idea, bad idea kind of situation. Yeah. Um, which I always thought was was helpful. I mean, attorneys probably hate it, but uh, from this end, it felt like you weren't writing an open ended check.
1: Yeah. And I like that as well because uh, usually I'm busy. And I, you know, if somebody's like, actually make that into a formal memo, I'm not like, Yay. Oh my god. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I think it's good. Um, you'll just get a lot of qual- you have to build in three minutes of qualifiers for the people being like, Well, obviously I'd have to look into it and blah 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 blah.
0: Uh-huh. So. well it's kind of nice that you don't feel like you have to dress it up. Yeah. Or, you know, some of the other stuff yeah. that you'd rather not do. You
1: get a I mean, you most of the time if you're a lawyer somebody asks you a question, you're like six I mean, you're at least seventy-five percent sure. Of what's going on. Yeah. And then the other 25% is what you're dealing with. So if you can um, get a lot of bang for your buck that way. I have been surprised. I very regularly say, this is something you can do yourself. This is something you can do yourself. Um, And people don't really want to do it themselves. So even freelancers, if you say, hey, you can totally file your own articles of organization with the Secretary of State and fill out your own uh application for an employer identification number with the irs i mean there's a lot of posts on how to do it like you can definitely figure it out if you have questions let me know Uh, that has not gone over well (laughs) people would much prefer to pay me to do it for some reason
0: yeah that's interesting is it a time thing or is it just they're afraid they're gonna screw something up
1: it must be anxiety and i have to admit that my accountant said that to me about filling out my S-corp designation, Uh which is something that I do for work for people. And I was like, could you do it? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think people just really want something. If they're paying a lawyer, it's because they want to feel like it was done right. And so they don't really want to do those part themselves. But if you're actually on a budget, that's a beautiful way of keeping costs down is saying, is there any of this that I can do on my own? Yeah, I like that. Because then it's not like, "Hey, I don't value your time," because it costs too much. It takes responsibility. So, mm-hmm. anyways, those are those are my high points of non-lingual advice. What I miss. I like it.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's good. I mean, that's a lot of stuff. And I mean, ultimately, I think uh, if, if you're listening and you feel super overwhelmed right now, sorry. <laughs> no, it, it's you know. Uh, It's a complicated issue, right? And it's different for every single person. So it's hard to have a conversation and be like, make sure you have these 12 things. Cause you know, who knows? Um, But, but kind of getting a feel for where attorney should step in is helpful. And I would imagine if you have an attorney that is telling you, here's some stuff you can do yourself, you've probably found a good attorney. Yeah. Yeah. Like either they're at a huge firm and you're wasting their time and like, they don't want to help you (laughs) or they're like someone that's really just trying to you know, uh, do good by your budget.
1: Yeah. I would agree with that. Well, how about show notes?
0: Yeah. Show notes, unfederated.studio slash 19. 19. (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. I kind of wanted us to have the wrong number. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sorry. All right. Um, we were both right. All right. Well, thanks Rob.
0: Yeah. Good, good chatting. Thanks for all your wisdom and, um, glad we are able to cover so much ground in a short amount of time. We'll talk next week. Sounds good. Later. All right. See ya.